going to look today at the Lord's Supper as we will partake of the Lord's Supper here in just a, uh, a few moments. But I want you to, before we read, before I have you stand again, I want you to just think back with me because that's what the Lord's Supper is about. It's about remembering. And it's more than just remembering the death, the burial, and the resurrection. But it's remembering, as Isaiah put it, that Jesus walked silently like a lamb before the slaughter. He, he opened on his mouth. He, he didn't say a word. He, he knew that his faith was fully in the Father. He and the Father were one. He, he knew exactly what was happening. And was it easy? No. If you remember when he was in the garden, he prayed, Father, if this, pass can, if this cup can pass from me, Yet not my will, but yours be done. And so we know that it was one of his own that betrayed him. With a kiss. For just some simple money. He was arrested. And tried And if you read the story, you know that there was no reason to kill him, obviously. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. Finally, there was a tradition where they would release one, put guilt on the other, which should have been what we would have expected because that's the picture of Christ for us. We are the guilty, and our punishment, our chastisement was put upon Christ himself. And yet, without a word, Jesus went freely to the cross. I don't know about you. But when I'm falsely accused, my first thought is self-defense. My first thought is to come out swinging (laughs) in my own defense, to yell as loud as I can that that's not true. And, And we argue and we fuss and we fight. And yet Jesus, perfect, without blemish, goes to the cross, says nothing. He allowed them, now now listen to me, this is important. He allowed them out of obedience to the Father to nail him to the cross. He allowed them out of obedience to the Father to put a crown of thorns on his head. He allowed them out of obedience to the Father to pierce his side. They did not kill him. The Bible says that he gave up his spirit. And he said, It is finished. And all the work that had to be done for the Passover lamb to have the job finished, Christ had done. And he breathed his last. And then they took him off the cross and they buried him or they put him in a borrowed tomb. 
That evening, the next day, and then early that Sunday morning, the Bible says that the tomb could not hold him. The grave could not keep him. Death had no hold on him. And he arose. That's why we sing, he's alive. That's what we remember today. We remember the sacrifice. We remember the silence. We remember that our shame was put upon him. That's what the Lord's Supper is about. It is about the full and finished work of Christ on our behalf. So if you have your Bible... Turn with me, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and let's stand together as we read from God's word. 1 Corinthians 11, if if you're new to us today, uh, we do a lot of standing, um, and we do it uh, in honor of God. Now, if you get to a point you can't stand, we don't look down on people. There are some people who just can't stand for the whole service. I get it. Don't worry, I'm not going to preach and you stand the whole time either. Um. But we stand in reverence of God's word, and for that I'm very thankful and, and, and appreciative as a pastor for this church. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Father, we thank you this morning that you have given us an opportunity as a church to show others who maybe are here today for for the first time or maybe they're here and they don't know you. And they can see the testimony that we celebrate the work of Christ in the act of the Lord's Supper. Father, that's what we do. That was, it's one of the outer testimonies that we have that we trust that his body and his blood were enough. Father, today, show us what we need to see about this beautiful thing. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Amen. The Lord's Supper is important for us But it has some history. We have something in the Old Testament that pointed to uh, Christ's coming. And and we know this in Exodus chapter 12, uh, the Passover lamb. In Exodus chapter 12, uh, we read that uh, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be the beginning of months for you. It is to be the first month of the year for you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying on the tenth of this month, they are each one to take a lamb for themselves According to their father's household, a lamb for each household. Now, if the household is too small for a lamb, then he is uh, and his neighbor nearest to his house are to take one according to the number of persons in them in uh, in proportion to what each one should eat. You are to divide the lamb. Your lamb shall be an unblemished male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. 
You shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel is to slaughter it at twilight. Moreover, they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the uh, lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat of the flesh that same night, roasted with fire, and they shall eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled at all with water, but rather roasted with fire, both its head and its legs along with its entrails. And you shall not leave any of it over until morning, but whatever is left of it until morning, you shall completely burn with fire. Now you shall eat it in this way, with your garment belted around your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in a hurry. It is the Lord's Passover. Now let's stop there. You're saying, why in the world are you reading this, and why were they having to be dressed in this way? At this point, the children of Israel are in Egypt, and they're trying to get out. And God has done a number of things there in Egypt, and Pharaoh keeps saying, nope, you can't go. And so God knows how to get a hold of somebody's heart, and he's about to take the firstborn of the house. And the only way to keep your child alive was to do as directed by the Lord. You were to take your best sheep or goat, the one that was actually worth the most to you. That was the one you were to sacrifice. And you were to take the blood of that animal after you've eaten the meat and you're going to put it up and you're going to place it upon the door as it, as you've seen lots of pictures. Um, you see that above the door on the sides, that blood represented that that house had followed the directions of God. And verse 12 says, for I will go through the land of Egypt on that night and fatally strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt from the human firstborn to animals. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be assigned for you on the house where you live. And when I see the blood, <clears throat> I will pass over you. And, I, and, and no plague will come upon you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. And so they were told to dress ready to go, right? You eat this dressed ready to go because the moment that this happens... He's going to want you out of Egypt. So eat this prepared, dressed, ready to go and get out. So we see this very first Passover where the Israelites are about to be moved away from Egypt. They're finally going to be freed out. They're going to go, but God is doing something. And the only way for you not to lose your firstborn of your household and your stock is to do exactly as God has said. And so from that day forward, they always remembered at the same time of year, the Passover. Then we see how Jesus himself is our Passover lamb, that he is the one that we have taken and his blood has been placed upon our hearts and our lives. And when Jesus, when God sees us, he sees the blood of his son. And we, my friend, it is though we have been found not guilty even though we are guilty because our guilt has been placed where? Upon Christ. We have sinned. We have guilt. But that guilt has been put upon the Father. So literally, we can't help but be found guilty. However, it looks as though we're not. No, no, no. What happens? God takes that guilt and places it upon Jesus Christ. Now, 
Jesus is with the disciples. He is there with them. They have begun the process. They're about to uh, do what uh, is normal for the Passover. And what we find here is that Christ's body represents the Passover lamb. So let's read this together. For I received from the Lord, this is back in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So the bread symbolizes the body of Christ. Now, a lot of us look at the brokenness of the bread, but that was a common thing that the host would break the bread and pass it out. Because you've got to remember, not a single bone was broken in the body of Christ. Correct? No bones. What, what, What did happen was they pierced his side and the water and the blood flowed. All right? But no bone was broken. But the bread itself represents the body of Christ. It was given for us. It represents what Christ did in taking the place of the lamb. There would never again need to be a lamb that was slaughtered, a goat that was slaughtered. No more will a animal or can an animal take the place of Christ. If Christ has not covered you, you are not covered. Okay? If Christ himself has not covered you, you are not covered. In Israel to this day, they still... Use the animals because Christ is not one that they have trusted in. We know from John chapter 14, verse 6, what does it say? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except by me. So Christ's body is that Passover lamb, the one that we have put all guilt upon. His body that was taken and sacrificed. His body that was taken and punished instead of us. It says, when he gave thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So as we take that little wafer, and I know that it, trust me, I've tasted the wafer myself. We get it. You're chewing on that thing. You're like, man, it's kind of hard to think about Christ's body. Don't allow what, a, what it feels like, don't allow what it tastes like to keep you from remembering the purpose of what we're doing. We are recognizing that the body, the body of Christ is what took our place. Then we have the wine that represents Christ's blood. He says, in the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. New covenant. This new idea. Jeremiah 31, verse 31 says, Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Now, let me share something with you. The new covenant is already here. There's nothing else new coming. A lot of people say, well, well, God's given me something new. That's baloney. Okay? God has already given us all that he needs to give us. There's nothing new to give. Anytime you hear a preacher talk about, well, there's God's going to give us something new. He's already done it. And what is new is Christ. 
The new covenant is Jesus. It's all the work that Jesus did. It's the fulfillment of all things. That is who Christ is for us. So this new covenant. When I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, but yet Israel and Judah denied, refused the work of Christ. And now here we are today. We celebrate who Christ is. I'm, a, I'm one born outside. I'm not a Jew. I'm a Gentile. But I am one who is very thankful for the work of Christ. I trust in this new covenant. My faith is in this who Christ is, who he says he is. I believe every bit of it. And his work is final. So in remembrance of Christ, we take the Lord's Supper. We remember the work that he did. We remember all that was done for us. The bread's the body. Wine represents the blood, the new covenant. And this is important for this reason. No sacrifice can be made without the shedding of blood. When Adam and Eve sinned, what did God do? He took the life of one of his own, skinned it, and made clothing for Adam and Eve. In order to get out of Egypt, the only way to get out alive and safe with your whole family was to take the best that you had, the absolute best that you had, either a sheep or a goat, and you were to take its life. And in the new covenant that is in Christ, which is fulfillment of all things, we remember because Jesus became our sacrificial lamb. He took the place that belonged to you and I. That is why I tell people you should give your best because that's what the people in the Old Testament had to do. They had to give their absolute best. And because of what Christ did for us, should we not want to also do the same and give our absolute best for Christ? But you know what else this is? I said it earlier in the beginning. This is also a witnessing tool. Lord's Supper, the remembrance, is a witnessing tool. We do this in order to remember all that Christ has done for us. Listen to what he says. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. What we are saying to the world that is outside, those that are looking in, and they're like, why would y'all eat that wafer? Why would y'all drink that stuff? What is the purpose behind it? We are declaring that the Lord has done the work and we're just, re, we're just waiting on him to return. He's coming back. I told you about my great-grandmother. I've shared this a few times, but my great-grandmother absolutely 100% believed that Jesus was going to come back in her time. She lived three months shy of 100 years old. You live that long, you've seen some changes in life, right? I'm 49. I know that's young compared to most of y'all. Um, but um, 
In those 49 years, I'm telling you, I have seen so many drastic changes. I have seen things just literally go crazy in this life that we live. But yet, believe it or not, there's nothing new under the sun. Solomon told us that. He said, look, evil's been around ever since Satan fell. There's nothing new. It's just that we happen to be alive and we see more stuff. And the older you get, the wiser you get and to realize, you begin to realize as you get older just how evil everything really is. So we use this as a witnessing tool. My grandmother believed fully that, that the Lord was going to come back and she would tell people, you better get ready because the Lord's coming back. You better get ready because the Lord's coming back. My great-grandmother would always say that. The one thing that happened with my great-grandmother when she closed her eyes and she passed, she was with the Lord. You see, I believe the Lord's Supper also points us to what is coming. Not just to the work of Christ, but to what is coming. Folks, one day I'm going to breathe my last. Don't mourn for me. Don't cry for me. Because whenever I leave this world, I will be made brand new. That to me is amazing. Even Siri believes it. Some of y'all didn't hear that, but Siri was talking to me out of somebody's pocket. Here is reality, folks. When you take the Lord's Supper, don't do it in a manner of, oh. Because if that's the case, just let it pass. But if you can take the Lord's Supper today in remembrance of what Christ has done, then I ask you to participate with us when we do it here in a few minutes. Christ has done the work. It is finished. It is finished. We celebrate the work that Christ has done as we remember through the Lord's Supper. I'm going to ask at this time for Doug to come, and we're going to have a time of decision. Maybe you need to come down and get your own heart ready in order to take the Lord's Supper. You can do that. The Bible calls for you to come to the front, come to the altar. Maybe you have somebody you need to speak to to get your heart right. But but spend some time this morning just being ready. And the Lord will prepare your hearts for what's coming. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you. I thank you that you have called us to remember the work of your son. And you have called us to come to a place of commitment that we will use the Lord's Supper in a manner that will honor what your son did for us upon the cross and what you did for us by giving him life on that third day. And we thank you for the spirit of God that dwells within us. Lord, we are desperate today desperate to remember, desperate to proclaim 
that we trust you. Perhaps our hearts aren't quite ready, so I want to just pray for a moment that as we sing just one or two stanzas of this next song, Father, that people that just need to come would come and pray to prepare their hearts. We pray this in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen.